Welcome to the Faith for All podcast. This week, we will be listening to a sermon from Pastor Dana O'Brien's sermon series on welcoming others. We hope you enjoy this message and that it offers some meaning for you. Our reading today is from Romans, and I'm reading, this is the, well, Romans 15, verses 5 through 7. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another, in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may be one voice, glorifying God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you, for the glory of God. I forgot to mention, we, um, I know Brendan probably was hoping for Sunday school. We don't have Sunday school this week, but we do have it next week, and and they're making an edible Ark of the Covenant. I know, that doesn't mean everyone gets to go, just the kids. So, this morning, this morning I am wearing my new All Are Welcome t-shirt, which I'm sure gives you a clue as to the fact that we are in the middle of our sermon series on welcoming. That and the fact that I just put a slide up that said we're welcoming is probably another clue. Last week, Last week we heard the story of our call here at Cross of Glory to be a welcoming congregation. And it was a story that I hope reminded us that welcoming is an essential part of who we are. It's it's really the why of why we are in this community, in this space. So our call to welcome, and I hope all of you saw that when you came into into this, uh, this worship space here, it's summarized by the banners on, in the, what we call the welcome room, which is what's, what's out there. First, on the east wall, hopefully, it's, hopefully you saw it, it's right above the coffee machine, so that's a good place to look then. It's, on the east wall, we have our, our guiding principles, and of course, our second guiding principle is everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. And then, as you turn and you walk into this space here, you see the welcome statement over the door to the worship space, and it is a statement which promises a broadly inclusive welcome to everyone who enters. And so I hope that if you had a chance to see that, you saw yourself on that welcome statement someplace. You saw, oh yeah, that's me, that's me, I fit right there. Um, I hope that means that you know that you are welcome to participate in absolutely everything, every aspect of what we've got going here. The worship, the ministry, the leadership, all, all that we do in this space and out in the community. And that brings us to the last part of today's reading. Paul's charge to the church in Rome to welcome one another just as Christ has welcomed you. I said I was reading the NRSV translation, but and I think some of you grabbed Bibles, and so we are going to be flipping through Bibles, but if you don't have one, pretty much everything you need is on the screen. So if you were following along in the NIV translation, which is what those Bibles are back there, you'd see it translated as accept one another as Christ has accepted you. And the Greek word, which I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce, it's on the screen, um, it, it means literally to take to yourself, okay? And, and even cooler, one concordance defines this as to grant someone access to your heart. That's what it means to welcome, to grant someone access to your heart. And I I personally love that definition because it encompasses the vulnerability and the grace and the love that God expresses when God welcomes us. And so that's what we're going to be learning all about today, how we can grant people access to our hearts. Now, just just because we 
take our identity and our marching orders from that welcome statement and those guiding principles out there. We all know, we all know that we're called to be welcoming, especially, especially to those who have a hard time being welcomed elsewhere. There are, you know, some people can get welcomed anywhere, but others, not so much. Even though we all know that, right, we don't always live it out, okay? We don't always live it out. And, and I'm sure we've all experienced this kind of situation. It's one thing to know something, and it's another thing to do it. And it's, it's even another thing to do it well, okay? So today we're gonna all become better welcomers by looking at some characteristics of how Jesus welcomed and how we can model that same welcome wherever we are. And is it just me up here or does everyone else hear? Um, okay, um, and it's, so you guys have to fix it. And now it's fixed, whatever you did. Okay, it was just to get my attention. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Okay, so number one, when Jesus welcomes, he goes to people. Okay, he doesn't wait for people to come to him. Okay, think back on Jesus meets people where they're at. Okay, indeed, you guys, that's the entire premise behind the incarnation, right? Um, behind God coming to earth in human form. God loved us so much that he literally comes to us, comes to us right where we're at and becomes one of us. You don't get any better coming to where somebody is at than that. But, but that's also how Jesus' how, how Jesus entire ministry is described, okay? So think about it. Seldom do we see Jesus in a synagogue or in the temple waiting for people to come to him, right? He doesn't, he doesn't just sit there and wait. Instead, Jesus' ministry is mobile, right? He's, he's walking the countryside from village to village, from house to house to heal, to teach, to meet people where they're at. He crosses boundaries, geographic, ethnic, cultural, to get people to, get to people right right where they are, okay? Remember the Gerasene demoniac? He was, in a, he was in a graveyard, okay? The woman, the Samaritan woman, she was in a well. Zacchaeus was up in a tree, okay? Jesus goes to where people are. Now those are good descriptions, but the best description is the description of the father who we know is, is God in the parable of the prodigal son, okay? Remember what happens. The younger son has dissipated the wealth, he's spent some time in a pigsty, and finally he decides to come back. He's walking home after losing everything. But what do we hear? While he was yet far off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around his son and his, he kissed him. You guys, that's not how fathers act in first century shame honor society, okay? This father humbles himself. He publicly embarrasses himself by hiking up his garments and running down the path to somebody who completely made a fool of himself when he took half his inheritance and left, right? So, so he goes to meet his, his, eld, his youngest son exactly where his son is at. And then, and then he does the exact same thing with his elder son. Remember, the elder son refuses to come into the party. He doesn't wait for his son to come in, which is what a father would normally do, and which I'm guessing many of us parents would and do do on occasion. He doesn't wait for his son to come in. Instead, he humbles himself and he makes the first move, right? He goes out into the field. He implores his son to come into the celebration. You guys, that's what it means to welcome, to be humble, to be vulnerable, to care so much about the other that we're willing to meet them wherever they are, okay? so. What does that mean for us today? And again, we're going to get into this a lot more in the next couple of weeks. But I can't tell you, and, and fewer people now than before the pandemic, but still, how many people, even church consultant type people, how many people think that welcome is limited to what happens when people come into this building? 
And yes, of course, it's great if we welcome people when they come into the building. That's really important. Um, but, but, most of our welcoming needs to happen out there. Most of our welcoming needs to happen out there. You know why? Because that's where most of God's people do most of their living, right? How much time do we spend in here? An hour, a couple hours maybe. How much time do we spend out there? How much time does everybody spend out there, right? If we sit in here waiting for people to come, we're going to miss the opportunity to welcome. We welcome people where they're at, and all of us spend most of our lives out there. We need to welcome like Jesus by going to meet people where they're at. Second, Jesus welcomes everyone. And we touched upon this last week and, and actually in the entire Jonah sermon series uh, a couple weeks ago. God's welcome, like God's love and God's grace, is all-inclusive. God loves and welcomes everyone. God loves and welcomes us, but God also loves and welcomes everybody else, even the people that we don't like all that much. We see it throughout Jesus' ministry. Jesus eats with Pharisees. He associates with Jewish leaders, with religious leaders, with political leaders. He was at Simon's house. He, had, he entertained Nicodemus, who came to him with a bunch of questions. But you know what? Jesus also hangs out with a whole bunch of other people. He hangs out with a bunch of sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes, the good, the bad, the ugly. He hangs out with Roman soldiers and women and lots of people who are ritually unclean, but like lepers and other people who are sick. In fact, Jesus hangs around with these disreputable people so often that the righteous and good people, like the Pharisees and the religious leaders, actually criticize him for it, right? They say, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Eating was really important back then. But then, and I don't know if you all remember it, but if you don't, check it out in Luke. Then Jesus tells this parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector, and it turns everything upside down. And after you're done reading that parable, you got to ask yourself, well, now wait a minute. Who are the righteous people and who are the disreputable people, right? Jesus is always challenging us, always. And of course, we, and I'll speak for myself, I am so fortunate that Jesus welcomes all people. Because if Jesus had higher standards, I probably never would have been welcomed, okay? Thank God that Jesus does not have higher standards. But that same wide expanse that Jesus welcomes should also be reflected in how we welcome. We too are called to welcome all people, even those who are different from us, even those we may not like that, that much. We know, we know how much easier it is to stick with people that we know. It's just easy. You don't have to, you don't have to be on, you can just, you can just sit there and like a lump. Because you're with people that already know you. They know you as a lump, you're okay. Um, even before and after worship, it's easier to talk and catch up with people we know rather than engaging with somebody we don't know all that well. Instead, you guys, we're called out of our comfort zones. We're called to welcome like Jesus. Third, Jesus sees people. Jesus sees people. I mean, he really sees people. There's seeing people, and then there's really seeing people. If you read any of the Gospels, you notice that Jesus is constantly described as seeing people, okay? First, Jesus sees them, and then he acts. Okay? We're going to go quickly through the ninth chapter of Matthew. Okay? And if you have a Bible and you want to follow, it's on 1512 in the red one and 6064 in the purple one. And if you don't want to follow, just look at the screen because I got all the, the really important verses up there. Okay? Now, we're looking at the ninth chapter, but we could be looking at any chapter because Jesus has seen people throughout the Gospels. He sees, he loves, he acts. Okay? Starts right in the beginning, verse 2. Jesus sees the faith of the friends who bring this paralyzed guy to Jesus, right? They have to dig a hole through the roof. One of, one of every kid's favorite stories because you're digging a hole in a roof, okay? They bring this paralyzed man to Jesus. Jesus sees their faith, and what does he do? He heals the man. 
Verse 9, Jesus sees Matthew, one of those disreputable people, the tax collector. He invites him to become one of his disciples. And of course, Matthew follows. Verse 22, in the midst of a crowd, these are all great stories. In the midst of a crowd, a woman who hopes to be healed, she just touches the back of his cloak. She doesn't want to be known. She doesn't want to be seen. She just figures, if I can touch it, then, then I'll be healed. Jesus turns and he sees her. He doesn't just see her. He sees her. He knows who she is. He says, take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. Finally, verse 36, Jesus sees the crowd was come to hear him preach. And he says he felt compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus sees people, and he sees particularly people that others of us don't notice. It's the people who fly below the radar, the people who are on the margins, the people who are on the lowest rungs of society. Jesus sees not just them, he sees their potential. He sees their need, he sees who they really are on the inside, and he gives them of himself his compassion, his uninterrupted intention, even in the midst of a crowd, by truly seeing them, that's what it means to welcome, right? That's what it means to welcome them. He grants them access to his heart. Okay, guys, what about our welcome, right? Do we take time to see people like Jesus? When, when who they are inside, their hopes, their dreams, their hurts, their gifts, when we welcome, you know, and, and lots of people consider this a welcome. It may be a friendly greeting. You shake somebody's hand. Well, not anymore. You wave to them. Um, or you, you shake somebody's hand. If somebody new, you, you, a friendly greeting. And then, and then again, we're off to spend time with people we know, right? Or do we give this, this person we've just greeted our undivided time and attention? No glances at phones or watches. We make it clear that the person standing in front of us is as important to us as they are to God, right? That's really, really challenging, especially in our culture where everybody does four things at once. Finally, fourth, Jesus welcomes with grace. Jesus' welcome is unconditional, undeserved, and involves the wiping of all slates clean, right? It's about mercy. It's about forgiveness. Remember the woman caught in adultery? He refuses to condemn. Remember the forgiven woman who anoints his feet at the house of Simon the Pharisee? These are people who wouldn't be welcome anywhere else, but they receive only grace, only mercy from Jesus. And of course, we don't get it, but a, a welcome filled with grace was such the opposite of what anyone would expect back then. Because like today, people in the first century usually welcomed and they provided hospitality to others that they knew, right? You invite your friends over for dinner, or to people who could repay them in kind, okay? Jesus told them something different, and it's up on the screen there. When you give a dinner, don't invite your friends or others who can repay you. Instead, live out of grace, you guys. Live out of grace. Invite people who can't repay you. And in that way, you will be blessed. Okay? Think about it. How might, how might that change the people who are sitting at your table on any, dinner, on any given night? Because, of course, Jesus' words apply to us as well. And I've seen lots of church workshops um, where one is taught how to welcome people um, so that your congregation can grow. Okay? Um, I've even talked to a couple of people who are thinking of, of suggesting that their congregation become an RIC, a Reconciling in Christ congregation, so it can get more people and thereby save itself, so it, so it can survive, right? We know that's not going to work. Not only are, do people see inauthentic welcomes from a mile away, but more importantly, it's so the opposite, the opposite of what God calls us to do, right? We welcome, God, we welcome people because God created all of us in God's image. And when we welcome like Jesus welcomes, when we grant others access to our hearts, it turns out we're the ones who are, who are blessed. Finally, 
Jesus welcomes generously, abundantly, extravagantly. Can I add more of those words? And at the same time, at the same time recognizes that welcome is costly. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? Jesus welcomed all those people. He invited them to sit down, and then he fed them so that everyone, and they didn't have just what they needed. They had more than enough. They, they had more than they could possibly eat. Remember the wedding at Cana? Jesus showed us what abundant welcome looks like. It's lavish. It's, it's copious amounts of the best wine available for everybody. Jesus was constantly giving more than was needed, more than was asked, above and beyond. And then, of course, there's the cross, right? The cross, the culmination of Jesus' welcome, Jesus granting all of us, everybody in the world, access to his heart, a costly welcome that involved everything he's had. And while I'm pretty confident, hopefully confident, that none of us are asked to be giving up our lives, welcoming generously does cost us. Um, it, it did cost us money, but, but when we humble ourselves, when we give generously, when we, when we step out of our comfort zones and become vulnerable, granting access to our heart is costly. It's, and it's, it's scary and it's risky. But here's the thing, you guys. When we welcome the stranger, remember Matthew 25, when we welcome the stranger, when we step out and welcome like Jesus, it turns out that we're actually welcoming Jesus. When we welcome the least of these, when we welcome the stranger, you have welcomed me, Jesus says. Jesus promises that we welcome the other, the least of these. We find Jesus in that other. And hopefully, in the midst of our welcome, they find Jesus in us. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message and it has meaning for your life. Come back next week for the next part of this series. Faith for All was created by Cross of Glory Church. If you would like more information on Cross of Glory, please visit our webpage at crossofglory.com where you can learn more about the church, see our upcoming events, and watch previous services and sermons. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Everyone, and we do mean everyone, is welcome to join us at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning for worship on our website, Facebook, YouTube, or in person at 14719 West 163rd Street, Homer Glen, Illinois. Faith for All is available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Todd Mazera created our original music, Jeff Wanderson handled the production duties, and I'm Andrew Morin. Thank you for joining us.